0: Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session. It's common
1: practice nowadays to encourage parents to bring their children in at an early age so that they can familiarize themselves with the dental environment. But beyond chair rides, gloved animals and triplex tickles, what else can we do to help empower parents during these appointments? Welcome back to What I Wish I Knew my name is Erica Quinn and we are joined by Dr. Shireen Lim for part three of our series on sleep disordered breathing. We all know that parenting is difficult and that there isn't a handbook. As dentists, we all see parents bringing in their children at various stages and oftentimes they'll ask us, is there anything else I can do? As part of her mission to help educate and empower parents on the topic of sleep disordered breathing and growth in their children, Dr. Shireen has written a book called Breathe, Sleep, Thrive. And in this episode, we talk all about it and the concepts and conversations it introduces. But first, Dr. Shreen tells us a little bit about how she first got into the area of sleep disordered breathing.
0: Well, the way that I first got into the area of sleep was really because of my husband's snoring. So my husband's (laughs) snoring was really annoying me. And then one day it frustrated me so much. I got out of bed and I decided I was going to Google up dental appliances because I'm new. Uh, vaguely that mandibular advancement spints could help with snoring and obstructive sleep apnea. So I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to learn more about this because I want to help other spouses that are in my same boat. It was pretty frustrating. I enrolled in graduate diploma of dental sleep medicine, started to learn more about the consequences of poor breathing during sleep. And I also started to become familiar with the research that showed that pollen expansion in childhood could actually improve obstructive sleep apnea. made total sense to me because we're trying to develop that skeletal framework for the airway. And so I actually spoke to uh, some different orthodontists and they really don't necessarily see that connection. And a lot of the time when we refer to an orthodontist for early intervention, a child may be placed on a regular watch and wait recall and not get any intervention. And so I wanted to know, how can we intervene? Because in dental school, we're taught, you can do that from ages seven to eight years. And I had young children at that time. So I wanted to be able to know how to do it so I could manage them. And when I started to learn it, I wanted to be able to share with other parents, you know, this whole thing that we've done with your other kids, we've waited and waited till they're 12 and we've helped you take out teeth, it's not necessarily the answer. We're not really developing the underlying porch of jaw development, which is really our framework for our airway. So I had to help parents understand that, which is not really a, a simple thing during a regular clean or active maintenance appointment. So that's why the book came about and what i started to understand during the course of that time is really that the jaws itself they grow the most rapidly in the first 6 years of life they're actually stimulated by how the muscles work and we need to have good muscle function including during breastfeeding which is the key window of peak jaw development in that first year of life we need everything working really well so we need to pay close attention to how the muscles are working and for any oral dysfunction, including tongue ties and mouth breathing. And so I started to want to write more about helping parents understand that we can even go earlier than interceptive orthodontic treatment by looking at oral dysfunction and optimizing breastfeeding and nasal breathing in the early years of life.
1: What I love is how you talk about that you were inspired by your husband's snoring. (laughs) But in our earlier segment, Dr. Shereen, you were mentioning how you used your, was it your daughter as a guinea pig? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To, To try it out. And I think that's when I guess, yeah, when we talk about dentistry or talking about our careers and what our vocation is or what it is that we have a special interest in, I guess oftentimes it is influenced by our loved ones and it being what you wanting to see those around you healthy and thriving Mm -hmm. and then that becoming and evolving into something that you try to share and help the greater population with. So I think that's like a wonderful story to hear how you were inspired and came into this whole um, special interest in sleep disordered breathing and early intervention. I wanted to talk a little bit more about, yeah, your relationships with parents and in your very first chapter or your opening of your book, you talk about how, you know, parenting is difficult. There isn't a handbook to tell you what things you do and I think there's so much, I have so much respect for parents. Yeah. In everything that you do, because there's so many layers mm-hmm. to being a parent, right? Mm-hmm. You beyond just ensuring that your child is well fed mm-hmm. <laughs> and clothed and has a bed to sleep in, you're wanting them to be properly educated. You want them to hit all these milestones. And I think for a lot of parents, you know, breathing and sleep is probably something that they're completely unaware of. And I think as a result of that, unintentionally, there may be a lot of bad habits that they are allowing to happen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I guess that's kind of your role is trying to jump in and stop those before as early as you can to stop those, I guess, unideal outcomes later in life. Mm -hmm. Can we kind of talk through, I guess, the different stages of growth and what bad habits can evolve at those points In time. Like for example, before you mentioned infancy and just breastfeeding Mm -hmm. and how that can be detrimental. And then perhaps from there going into, I guess, you know, what happens, like dummy sucking Mm -hmm. and then thumb sucking and whatnot. Do you mind breaking that down?
0: Yeah, I think there are a lot of things that we don't really get educated upon. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time we think that things are normal childhood things. It's normal to get ear infections as a child or it's normal to have tantrums and terrible twos, but I don't think it necessarily has to be the case. And so we want to educate people to look at the underlying problem. And so when it comes to infancy, uh, a lot of the problems that I deal with relate around tongue tie and Mm. challenges with breastfeeding. And so when we can't get effective tongue suction during breastfeeding, we're going to have problems with poor transfer of milk it may get perceived as low supply or, you know, babies tiring really easily, or they may not be able to suction and swallow correctly, and they'll take excessive amounts of air. And this could even be on a bottle. And babies will have reflux-like symptoms. They'll be very unsettled and really uncomfortable. And for some people, it's People, they approach their GP and they prescribe reflux medications for these symptoms, but no one's actually really looking at whether there is any air intake or how is that latch. And so I think we want to educate parents to really look at these issues because a lot of babies do get medicated for reflux. But why is that reflux occurring? These reflux medications are not proven. So often People are taking them. There's actual increased risk of bone fractures in early childhood when we take these medications, and they're not working. And so we want to rule out poor latch. So I think that's one of the real important things that it's that parents need to recognise when feeding is not going really well. Sometimes it could be related to tongue tie, and there's not a lot of education upon it. As dentists, we're not really taught anything about breastfeeding me- mechanics. Or anything about tongue tie. And so it's important that people start raising more awareness of it so that parents can identify people that can rule out those issues.
2: As dentists and dental students, we all have difficult days. You may experience workplace or training demands that have a direct impact on your physical, emotional and psychological health and well-being. This is exactly what dental practitioner support is for. It's a completely confidential and independently run service that's funded by the Dental Board of Australia in an effort to support practitioners and dental students right across the country. Sometimes people call just at the end of a long day to debrief
1: Actually, rethought of this question, and yeah. I think the way that I think it will be really applicable to our listeners is, I guess, just reflecting on you know, when I'm in day-to-day practice. Oftentimes, I have parents bringing in their children at various stages. Okay? Yes, yeah. And all of them always ask me, oh, is there anything else I can do? Yes. Okay? For example, I the other day I had a, a lovely couple and they came in with their one-year-old and you know everyone was laughing. My DAs were laughing. They're like, what are you going to do with a one-year-old, Erica? They're not going to sit in your chair. And I couldn't do much, but they asked me, oh, is there anything else we should be doing? And I just realized, wow, this would be like having this knowledge would be so powerful because even though I can't get necessarily look inside the patient's mouth or you know, we always talk about oh it just being a chair ride, getting them comfortable, being in the dental setting. Yeah. But I realized, oh, having this knowledge and being to able to open a discussion with the parents and just comment a little bit about how they're feeding at this point of view, you may pick up on something really important. And yeah. I kind of want to go through those different stages. So, you know. For an infant, I guess what's most important is breastfeeding. But then, you know, I'll have patients bring in their two-year-old and the patient's coming in with a dummy (laughs) or they're sucking onto their thumb. And then, you know, what thing should we be educating the patient at this point in time about the effects of that? I think that's kind of what I thought would be really applicable.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Go through. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, obviously... For jaw development, breastfeeding is the number one thing. So I think that's really important for us as dentists to learn more about how to be able to discuss that with Mm -hmm. parents and how to help guide them if there is problems related to oral restrictions. But dummy use, the next thing that we want to advise them about is dummy use, because we know that when we introduce a dummy into our mouth, it actually lowers our tongue posture. And so it also increases sucking forces, which distort the palate. So it's not Mm -hmm. really just about creating dental open bites. It's actually how is it influencing our palate structures from developing in that very critical window when it's most moldable? And so we wanna advise people to minimize the use, the duration, intensity and frequency and really help educate them that beyond dental problems, that dummy use it creates a myofunctional disorder where it alters the swallow pattern. It is linked to increased risk of ear infections and speech problems because it's not allowing that tongue to be free in the roof of the mouth where it belongs. So I think that's really important as dentists that we be able to guide people about that. And sometimes when a baby relies on a dummy, what is the reason why? And so a lot of the time, it could be reflux-like symptoms. And what I was mentioning before was when we have those reflux-like symptoms, ruling out that a baby is not sucking and swallowing air, I think is really important. And then as a child gets into that toddler age, what are we looking at when they're in there? I mean, I guess it's not every dentist is going to be asking about chewing and swallowing, you know, but yeah, I think that if a child presents with open mouth posture, that's something that we can actually look out for. And then Mm -hmm. if they have open mouth, we can start inquiring about those other sleep problems. And do they have any speech concerns or do they have any concerns with chewing and swallowing foods or eating meat? I think it's important to be able to take that history. And even though we may not necessarily be able to do treatment, we can guide them to the right people.
1: I can already imagine, you know, having these discussions with parents and then them looking at me and being like, what do you know about parenting? And it's so... Like I think oftentimes when things are so stressful being a parent and the only thing that soothes their child is having their dummy or is sucking onto their thumb or, you know, these kind of comfort actions, it can be very difficult to tell them, oh, it's bad. And what kind of things or methods and tools can we suggest to them to help break these habits?
0: Well, for an infant, I think it's just really important to be able to educate parents. What is actually Mm. happening when a baby uses their dummy? How does it Mm -hmm. alter the way that the mouth is supposed to work? How does it interfere with that normal tongue to palate suction that we need for good nasal breathing and to minimise the development of mouth breathing? So I think it's really important to fully explain it to them. And yes, for an infant, we definitely want to rule out any underlying problems like reflux or air swallowing. But then as we get to six months of age, we want to actually minimise that use during the daytime. I think there are Mm. tools or appliances like the Mayo Munchie. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a chewing appliance. You can put it inside your mouth and they have ones for babies. So instead of sucking, they can actually put it in their mouth and chew and stimulate all their jaw muscles. And so Mm. I think that's a pretty good option because a lot of Mm. those babies at their age, they want to mouth things. And so that's a really great way to offer a lot of sensory input as well as stimulate the muscles to work better. And so... You know, I think it's really important when I have a parent, I understand that sometimes their baby is really unsettled and they're going to need it for their sanity. and we have to take that into consideration and I want to let them know, but as long as they can understand this is the impact, if we can minimise the duration, intensity and frequency of use, that will actually minimise the development of these problems.
2: Do you want to add orthodontics to your general practice? So many patients today are looking for aesthetic outcomes and changes, things that we can do with things like aligners and fixed braces that can put the teeth where they need to be so we can be more minimal in what we do to those teeth. I know it's something I wanted to learn and personally, I've gone down the path with orthoed doing the mini masters. I'm also getting treatment myself. I'm in aligners right now. If you're ready to go all in with orthodontics, you can go and do the mini masters with orthoed and Dr. Jeff Hall and at the end, you can get a postgraduate diploma. But if you're starting off with smaller steps, they even have some online education, including aligners and aligner courses that are standalone. In the COVID environment we're currently in, these courses have remained live and we can then go and do them in person later on. I really appreciate the way they've managed that and I'm still getting tons of value. OrthoEd gives you an understanding from the foundational level. You understand aligners as well as fixed braces, the mechanics and all the things in between. If you're about to start your orthodontic journey, check out dentalheadstart.com slash orthoed to get 10% off their entire range. You might even run into me at one of the courses.
1: And we talked a little bit earlier in an earlier segment about myofunctional therapy and the exercises involved in it and how that's probably the longest journey and the most important factor because, you know, they only come to you every so often to see you in the chair, but these exercises are something that needs to happen daily on a regular until it becomes a habit. What are some examples of those exercises that, you know, we can teach our parents and our patients to perform to help achieve those optimal positions and relationships?
0: It can be quite difficult to incorporate in a general dental practice because a lot of these exercises, we have to kind of tailor them for children, Mm -hmm. but just really simple things in general that I think can be quite simple to do. Mm -hmm. If a child is watching TV and they've got their mouth hanging open, why not? Why don't we put a paddle pop and get them to close Mm -hmm. their lips around it? Or I am a big fan of Mayo spots. They're these little stickers that you can put inside the mouth where the tongue is supposed to sit on that N spot. So we can get yeah. children trying to use their tongue to, to train their tongue to sit on that spot. Their tongue gravitates towards it. So things like that, tongue clicking, making noises, there are things, but it would be really hard to go into it in a short episode like this. I think people need to see someone with more specialised advice to be able to get more direction.
1: 100%. And obviously, you do a lot of this in your practice, stream but for I guess, general dentists where they aren't necessarily trained in these skill sets, then who is the next person to refer to to help treat these patients
0: (laughs) yeah a lot of the time there are growing number of speech and feeding therapists that are getting trained in myofunctional therapy and there are also Mm -hmm. a number of dental therapists that are getting trained in it as well so the people in those professions that have had training in myofunctional therapy are quite appropriate and Mm -hmm. there are quite a few people in each state I believe that can actually Mm -hmm. offer that so it's a matter of finding those people
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, I think it all starts with understanding and awareness of it. And I think, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And I think this episode has really helped raise our, yeah, understanding of a lot of different areas not just for ourselves, but for our parents as well and really helping empower them so that their children can thrive. So thank you so much for sharing all those thoughts, Dr. Shireen. This was a very valuable talk that I hope all our listeners gain a lot from.
0: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. I feel like it's an area that we need more education within dental school. So if anyone is inspired, I hope they will continue to learn more on this topic.